All right. Super excited to be here today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Deal Closers podcast, where we bring you cutting edge information about the state of e-commerce, M&A, and deal exit planning and strategy. I'm Isaac Porter, your host for the show and website closers broker. I'm really excited to speak with our guest today, Kyle Walker. Kyle is a founding partner at The Foundry. He's an experienced digital brand builder, a former Amazon employee. He was actually head of business strategy at Amazon and has helped launch more than 10,000 businesses on Amazon. Kyle, welcome to the show. You want to tell us and our listeners a little bit about you and your background? Sure. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I spent seven years at Amazon most recently, really falling into kind of three three phases. The first was as an account manager. So my team managed the top 20% or so of sellers on Marketplace, which was a, a great learning experience to figure out what it is that kind of becomes the blueprint for what it is that successful brands and, and sellers did. The second phase was really I would say my team really ushered in the era of, you know, brands to to Amazon's marketplace. So primarily it was a reseller business before we noticed a wave of brand owners and created programs like Amazon Exclusives, Amazon Launchpad to really help accelerate those brands on on Amazon. And so all the all the tools that brand owners, you know, now get to enjoy to to build their brands a lot of that came from you know learnings that my team did manually in 2015 2016 and then spent the last few years really working in with our corporate business development team offering you know packages as we thought about what we could do to help accelerate brands and figuring out from a you know an M&A and option perspective what we could do to to try and help accelerate those brands by offering service packages in exchange for, you know, options within the company. And so, you know, that really was a great training ground to lead to, to Foundry and, and what we're trying to build here at, at Foundry Brands. Awesome. Really cool background and experience. Thanks for sharing that. So, so Kyle, I heard uh, Foundry, I believe, has just raised um, around $100 million to acquire Amazon brands. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that and what types of, of businesses specifically you're looking for? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're funded different so we can buy different. And I think, you know, part of what we see as a value proposition and differentiator long term is is being able to deploy that capital, you know, really with a long term focus. Founders have put so much into their businesses that, you know, the idea that we're just simply stewards of that brand and we have a responsibility to to continue to grow that brand sustainably and responsibly and and leverage all the expertise that, you know, our team has. I mean, we have between myself and and one of our other founders, Stefan Haney, you know, 23 and a half years of of really formative experience during Amazon Marketplace. And so, you know, being able to use that expertise and leverage that to to optimize what these founders have built and then knowing that, you know, we want to maintain these founders have poured so much into their brand that they should still be proud of what that brand stands for in 10 years. And I think that's kind of our North star on, on how we differentiate, you know, there is no, there is no buy and hold in this market, like you're a digital brand. And so we want to continue that growth and we think we have the the expertise, the team to, to do just that. Yeah. Awesome. So, so Kyle, one of the things we hear at website closers quite frequently is, 
questions around how Amazon, in particular, Amazon FBA owners can plan for and start to build value in their businesses prior to their exit. So, you know, as, as you know, we work with hundreds of FBA sellers. The market is just phenomenal right now for both sellers and buyers of these of these assets. And so I think, you know, more and more founders are thinking about value creation. You know, how do you think about that at the foundry? What what areas can a brand invest in to create enterprise value today and you know what categories are kind of most valuable for for the foundry yeah it's a really good question you know i think first off i'll say no two brands look alike and so we try as we look and evaluate brands to be as holistic as possible on what the value of that brand is and i think as you think about how brand owners can kind of invest now into things that that will pay off over time you know one of the things is how have you positioned yourself for for the future to be optimistic right so you know those types of investments that build some type of competitive mode again this isn't this isn't super shocking or or probably unique to us but i think you know we're looking for things that you know your supply chain has the ability to be further leveraged your you know, marketing programs have the ability to, with, you know, more resources and, and more team members focused on it, you know, to be leveraged to, to drive growth. You know, you have a very satisfied customer base and your products have been validated over time. You know, those are all going to be factors that we try and put a collective picture on. I think right now, you know, as we view brands, we have something like 30 different criteria that we're all kind of weighing, but they fit into those basic buckets of, look, any business, regardless of whether it's digital or or in-store or B2B or whatever, has to stand on the merits of, does it have a foundation that can continue to be leveraged and add value to an entire portfolio? And I think we're trying to assess that through these 30 different criteria. But it really boils down to basic things like have you satisfied your customers and they've validated that you're adding value to to their experience? You know, are you continuing to connect with them? Can you acquire additional customers? You know, is there is there more entitlement ahead of you? And then lastly, you know, how are you sourcing products and, and that supply chain? And are there things that we can do to to continue to optimize? And so, you know, there's always this delicate balance of you know, somebody looking to exit their business probably should be thinking about their business in very similar way of how do I maximize the value of my business? Well, it's by optimizing a lot of those very same principles, right? Creating the moat, being able to acquire new customers, being able to promote your products and and have them be well received by by customers. And then, you know, how are you getting those products to the customers and how are you sourcing those? All of those factors come into this kind of holistic view of what the brand should be valued at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think one of the other things I've heard recently as a theme and as we've talked to other aggregators in the space is their view on distribution channels. And I was curious, you know, we see we see companies that have uh, 100% of their distribution is is Amazon FBA. We see companies that have you know, a mix of maybe Amazon, Walmart, and their own website. Uh, maybe they've got a Shopify site. You know, how, how do you think about distribution channels and what, you know, what's kind of the the sweet spot for, for brands that you look at? It's a good question too. You know, I think from a, 
I think taking a step back, you know, what Amazon has really provided in their marketplace is a lot of tools and availability of resources to be able to scale, you know, your idea or your product or your brand out to a lot of customers leveraging their marketplace. You know, everything from FBA, which makes it available in two days to to prime customers, you know, the marketing tools that allow you to you know, optimize for for search because, you know, so much search does begin on Amazon. I think the second part of your question is is an interesting one and, and will probably evolve for everyone. But at this point, you know, it's it's nice because our area of expertise, you know, really started with Amazon. And so that's the easiest way for us to kind of identify levers that that we may be able to pull to to help the brand grow, whether that's within the Amazon ecosystem across geographic boundaries, whether that's within the Amazon ecosystem to find other tools, you know, whether it's a a B2B angle, whether it's, you know, cross border, whether it's, you know, all of these things kind of come into play outside of Amazon. You know, I think it's, it's a little bit more straightforward, right? Like we're able to look at a website, we're able to figure out traffic, we're able to figure out how how those products are converting and connecting with customers and and be able to get a read on you know what that brand means to the marketplace you know what is the opportunity there for for growth going forward it's it's probably a little bit more defined on Amazon but you know we're using essentially the same model which is look you have to be able to develop a great product that product you know should be part of a great brand that great brand has to be able to continue to acquire customers and and promote their products effectively and then ultimately those those products have to live up to you know the content and marketing that that was presented and so as you think about putting that whole picture together to me it doesn't matter whether it's happening just on Amazon or it's happening outside the way that we pull information or the, you know, the sources of information that we use might be, you know, a little more, you know, independent to, to calibrate, but it's really the same model, right? It's how are we connecting with customers and, and are we making good on our customer value proposition when, when the customer has the product in their hand? Yeah. Yeah. That makes, makes a lot of sense. Really interesting perspective on that. From an Amazon ranking algorithm perspective, is there a benefit to having outside traffic being generated, you know, from a website or, or other paid advertising driving traffic to Amazon that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, look, nobody has a secret sauce of the algorithm is pretty well protected. But I think, you know, you see countless examples of, you know, where external traffic or awareness or, you know, a sudden spike in in search volume because of something that's happening outside in the external environment certainly has an impact on, you know, what's happening internally in the algorithm. So I think, you know, the the ability to promote your products, I would look at it almost high level in in two ways that I think any brand owner, you know, who's trying to build value should, which is Look, there's a huge ecosystem within Amazon's marketplace to be able to connect to Amazon customers. And those are all the advertising tools that are available within Seller Central. You know, there's some that are really brand awareness driven, like brand stores. And, you know, the brand registry program has unveiled a lot of tools to be able to to kind of attach to specific keywords. 
But I think you go a step beyond that and you say there's also transactional things like, you know, sponsored products where, you know, I'm just trying to make one singular product, you know, more likely to be in the consideration set for customers outside of Amazon. You know, I still, as a brand owner, would want to have some ability to connect to my customers through social things like social media, you know, my own website and all the different various ways that I'm going to communicate with my customers, because then they're coming to Amazon simply to transact as opposed to having to come to Amazon to just learn about my product the first time. And so I think you're thinking through marketing on all those different levels. Like I would love people to come see my brand somewhere, transact on Amazon because it's easy, it's quick, and it happens in two days. I'd also love to be able to be in the consideration set when somebody's being a little more thoughtful and searching for a range of products on Amazon. And so I can use their advertising tools to find that, whether it be search or you know, product-specific listings. And so when you look at that entire picture, you know, it really gets back to the simplicity of, look, I'm just trying to acquire more customers than I had the day before. And I've got a variety of tools to be able to do it. And they're all equally important in terms of kind of my ongoing, you know, sales rank and and ability to, to find future customers as well. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Also, as you were speaking, I was, I was thinking about, you know, kind of this concept that there, there potentially is some low hanging fruit post-acquisition to improve some of the metrics that you talked about, the search volume and customer traffic and maybe listing metrics. Do you, have you seen a theme in areas that that you are able to optimize or improve on post-acquisition for, for deals that you're looking at or, or completing? Yeah, I think, you know, the first obvious step is just optimizing content to you know, to, to speak to your customers. So what we'll find, you know, a lot of times is, you know, a, a founder, you know, might have limited time and availability. They're running this entire business themselves. And so they're, they're trying to, to do as much as they possibly can. And in many cases, when you talk to founders, they can give you the exact blueprint of what the brand should look like and what they would do if they had, you know, and it, an extra 20 to 30 hours per week to, to process this, right? And it usually comes down to very simple things. Is that content giving you the best chance to tell your product or your brand's story? So that's that's one area where we see a lot of opportunity to, to optimize. You know, do you have the right number of videos? Do you have the right type of content? Do you have the right type of imagery? Are your bullet points, you know, as effective as they can be? And you know, having somebody on our team who obviously, you know, has the experience of, of being in a leadership position within a detail page team, you know, and leading that detail page team, there's a lot of optimization that can happen there that's just innate within our team's process. The second part is, you know, then you think about how do we, we've got this beautiful listing that, that tells our story completely. How do we get it in front of more people? And that's where advertising and optimizing ads comes in. And then, as you mentioned, you know, channel expansion is is always, uh, you know, something that's on the radar because there's just there's so much availability to get products around the world and leverage a lot of the systems that that Amazon has built or or other e-commerce providers have built to be able to to get those products around the world. That it's not just limited to one specific geography set of customers. 
but each one of those requires some amount of localization too to be as effective as they can because your customer might have slightly different you know interests to cross border and and they might look for different things in your product and so your content has to be tailored to match as well changing themes a little bit here the uh market trends right now are really through the roof we're seeing the highest level of M&A activity in the e-commerce and tech space that that we've recorded, you know, in website closers, you know, more than more than decade long history. We've had a, a very high volume of of sellers interested in selling and, you know, huge demand from buyers. The kind of the advent of institutional buyers and and really well-funded groups um, pursuing these deals is is relatively new still. You know, how how competitive is the is the market right now from your perspective? How are you finding opportunities and you know, how do you kind of differentiate from a from a value proposition at at the foundry? Yeah, I I mean, I think we're using a lot of the traditional channels like you mentioned, you know, obviously we're, you know, we're aware of deals that are that are going through brokers like website closers we're going through, you know, and and there's a lot out there. There's there's also a lot of, you know, private equity groups, institutional traders that that we find deals from. We also source a lot of, you know, proprietary deals. There's you know, there's a lot of brands that over the past seven years we've seen, you know, kind of grow up under under our watch when we were inside of, of Amazon that we have interest with, you know, connecting with on the on the outside, right? And so, you know, there's I think we have a very specific, you know, set of criteria. And, you know, earlier when I said we're funded different, so we buy different, I think, you know, we're not we're not trying to join, you know, we don't have arbitrary goals where we're just trying to acquire 200 brands in the next 30 days. We want to buy the right brands because we're, you know, we're really believing that we want to see these brands succeed in 10 years and we want to deliver on that value proposition. And so we have a high bar for, for what we're trying to buy because we, we want it to be around in 10 years. And there's a lot of great companies out there that, you know, have done a great job of, you know, identifying a market and and doing a good job in that in that specific market. That doesn't always tell you that there's this huge opportunity for for the brand over the next 10 years. And so we're trying to, to be a little bit more strategic on, you know, what are the opportunities that we're really seeking? How does that connect back to our to our business goals? And, and how are we thinking about the portfolio of digital brands that that we want to own over the next five years. And so I think working backwards from what we want that portfolio eventually to look like, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to think now today on on how we extend that into having a very, very high bar so that, you know, every acquisition is the right acquisition. And I would say in a seller's market, you know, that that becomes challenging because as you said, you know, Brands are, you know, it's a seller's market. Brands have a lot of options for for selling. What I would say is that, you know, even within that seller's market, it's equally as important for the founders or the sellers to think through what they want to be associated with their company over the next 10 years. And I think, you know, having asking the right questions to make sure that there is this long-term vision of of what your brand can become asking more questions about the team members and the capabilities that those team members have 
you know, those are going to be the stewards of your brand going forward. And so you want to make sure that you're aligned and you feel really comfortable with where your brand ends up because you, you hear a lot of stories, even with larger companies and larger acquisitions that everything seems great on the surface at the beginning, but those that do their homework and make sure that they found a great home for their brand are always more pleased long-term. And, you know, even on my team, I have, you know, one of my, you know, business partners and, and colleagues, you know, she's exited her brand. So she knows what the experience is like. And, you know, we always view it as, look, we're going to be involved in in all of these conversations as as sellers come to market. But I think asking those right questions and making sure the team's available to, to also help educate you on the process, yeah. uh, which is something that I know you do as well. But what does the process look like? What are the questions? Because this has the potential to be a life-changing and one-time you know, acquisition. So you want to make sure that you do the extra homework and get it right, not just try and push something out the door to get it done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, mo- most sellers will only sell a company once or in some cases some some sellers found and, and sell two or three, but you know, kind of on from our position, we we transact and, and see these companies come to market and, and sell and close, you know, literally every week. Uh, so I always look at it from the perspective of, you know, how can we best advise and assist the clients that we're working with. And I think um, that's why I wanted to get you on the show today because I, I your your process, your funding structure, I think is differentiated and it, and it makes you a really interesting buyer for a lot of the companies we're working with. So, you know, to that, how are you partnering with, with founders, you know, let's say from the point when you're under an LOI uh, through closing and then post acquisition, what, you know, do you use rolled equity? Do you, is there any opportunities for, for founders to continue to invest and be part of the the growth of the foundry going forward? What does a typical deal structure look like? So much of it depends on the founder. I mean, I think you would agree. Again, no, no two founders are exactly alike in exactly the same situation with exactly the same motivations. And so really, because we intended to, you know, as our name suggests, foundry, you know, it's really centered around the founder. You know, part of our process is just having having some type of dialogue on what that next stage of this founder's life looks like. And, you know, in some cases, you know, you find some founders would have said, I've poured everything I can into this business. And, you know, the cleaner the exit, the better. And we try and, you know, accommodate that by by actually truly getting to know our brand owners and and be able to to kind of address their needs. You find others that say, I'm really optimistic about the next six to 12 months. And so you try and go a little bit deeper there and find creative win-win solutions that would allow both parties to, to benefit from, from that growth. And then there's, there's longer term stuff as well, where a founder says, you know, I'm going to go do this again soon. And I have all of this capability that I've built up within my team you know, certainly there's opportunities to explore win-win situations that help facilitate their next phase of life or their next opportunity going forward, as well as figuring out how to take care of, you know, those that, that helped create value in the business over those years. And so I think we just try and approach it as open-ended a conversation as possible to get down to you know, what is it that truly matters and how can we create a scenario in which we can win together? 
And to the extent that we're able to be creative and do that through some type of agreement, I mean, I don't think we've ever said specifically that anything is off the table. We just, you know, we spend a lot of time to try and figure out what it is that motivates all of us to to be collaborators for, you know, the next decade. And to the extent that we can put that in some type of agreement that allows for win-win outcomes. And, you know, you'll find many successful entrepreneurs that have exited in the past. It only whets their appetite to to go exit again. And this time they do it with, you know, a secondary option and they, and, you know, they're kind of serial entrepreneurs and each time they get a little bit more sophisticated or they, they get there a little bit faster. And I think there's, there's a lot of opportunities there to explore ways to, to do that and, and win together at the end of the day, you know, part of the reason or motivation for a founder to exit is they're de-risking you know, their financial future and they're de-risking, you know, a lot of these kind of business fluctuations. And I think, you know, finding ways to also de-risk their, their next, their next venture, their team's future, all of those things just happens through a lot of discovery and, and diligence to find out what truly motivates and, and what the next five to 10 years look like. And if there's ways that those things overlap with what Foundry wants to do, then great. We're we're super creative when it comes to, to structure. Your motto at Foundry is we grow great brands to enhance our customers' lives. So what's what's the long term vision for Foundry Brands? Where do you where do you go from here and kind of, you know, as you as you think about the next the next five years or so, what is what does that look like? Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, we exist in 10 years because we're pleasing customers. And and I think you know, our ability to identify, find, and grow great brands becomes a larger part of a portfolio that only has value if it's effective at connecting with customers. And so we always try and frame everything working back from the end consumer and saying, look, Foundry in 10 years, that portfolio of products that we've, that we've acquired matters if it's changing customers lives and it's making customers lives better and we think that there's a lot of synergy as you put this portfolio together on a lot of shared services and a lot of things that that we're going to to continue to build over time some of which we have in place now some that we'll continue to build in the future but at the end of the day we have to improve customers lives we have to make great products and, you know, Foundry should stand for that value where in a customer's mind, they go, oh, this is a Foundry product. I know it's great. Just like other kind of, you know, roll up brands have done over over the years, whether it's a, you know, a Procter & Gamble or or whatever, you know, as you think about their their connection to customers is is at the forefront. And I think that always should be our guiding light and motivation and what is exciting is that you see so many parts of it happening at the individual brand level where they've been successful connecting with customers, maybe within a specific product category, maybe within a specific, you know, niche. And when you consolidate all of those together, the same thing is true. Like you just have more products, but you're still connecting with customers to, to benefit them and, and better their lives. Awesome. Any new 
technology systems practices that you're seeing being used by sellers or that you're implementing at at the foundry that that maybe potential sellers could could implement now i've was at a conference recently and i heard about this concept of you know geo-targeted upc inserts with with funnels i've heard about uh you know just strategies like uh using coupons and giveaways anything you're seeing that's that's innovative and new that uh either you're doing or you're seeing other sellers use in the in the marketplace? I don't know. I don't know if it gets as specific to, you know, tactics that, that you're describing, but I'd say high level, you know, what's what's really exciting is when, you know, you start to see a brand have a cohesive connection with their customers through all the different ways that they connect with their customers. Meaning you know, I've I've talked to a lot of brands over the years that, you know, will tell you they have a great connection with their customers via social media. And then you, you know, start extrapolating that out and you say, but what is your brand speaking to them in terms of reviews? You know, what is your brand speaking in terms of the customer service that you provide? What is your what is your brand saying to customers in terms of how you continue to innovate and develop new products? You know, are you listening to customers' feedback? And I think so much of, you know, a brand's ability to connect with their customers happens in in a more omnipresent environment than maybe they they first kind of believe it does. You know, everything from, you know, any customer that goes out there and discovers your product, you know, chances are they've looked at your social media presence. Chances are they've looked at your website. Chances are they've looked at your Amazon presence. Chances are they've looked at your Amazon reviews, how you respond to customer questions. You know, they may even have gone, you know, as far as contacting customer service to make sure it, it meets their immediate product needs. And so listening to your customers, I think, has become a whole, you know, ecosystem in and of itself that I think often you know, we think of in too simplistic a terms, but listening and social listening happens across a wide variety. I mean, it can happen door to door. It can happen amongst neighbors. It can happen in phone conversations amongst family. You know, what are people saying about your brand and how is that information being captured and fed back to, you know, everything from your product development cycle to your content, to your advertising strategy, et cetera. And the more you make those an interconnected ecosystem, you know, again, getting back to the question earlier, the more valuable your brand is, the more points you've connected on how you can effectively listen to your customers and better serve their needs is a huge asset. Awesome. Very cool. Kyle, any, any other um, thoughts that you have uh, that you want to you want to share with with our audience? Any 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 best practices or, or tips for sellers who are thinking about selling their business, um, maybe considering it, but haven't kind of finally decided? Yeah, I would say, you know, kind of building on the earlier point is just even in a seller's market, there is no specific, you know, time frame that any individual brand owner or founder needs to operate under to to sell their business. You know, you should gather as much information as you can. You should immerse yourself in the process just as you've, you know, immersed yourself in the process of building your brand. Learn everything. Talk to as many people as you can. Learn as much about the process as you can so that, you know, to your point, you know, if this happens once, you want to make sure that you arrived at that conclusion because it was the best thing for you. 
you found the best team to carry your brand forward and steward your brand for the next decade. Not because you felt like somebody had, you know, an offer at the time. It's not going anywhere. They're going to be just as interested today as they are in two weeks, despite what, you know, you may hear and the time pressure you may feel. And so make sure that you're making the right decision because I can assure you, you know, deadlines and, and time frames, two weeks may seem like a long time or may even seem like an eternity right now. But two weeks in, in the grand scheme of the next 10 years of your brand's life are, are relatively small. So make sure you're talking to everybody. Make sure you're gathering information from as many places as you can. And just understand the process and ask all those questions behind the scenes of what is the team that's going to be you know, collaborating with me over the next decade? What do they stand for? What principles do they have? What plan do they have for my brand? All of those things, you know, should be readily answered. And then ask the final question, which is, if I have this vision that I've got from from this company on on what my brand's going to look like in 10 years, do they actually have the capability to execute against that? Because I think that's equally as important, right? Anybody can paint a picture of what it should look like, but do they have the operational capabilities to be able to deliver on that? And you should feel comfortable with all of those things before you make a, a big decision like this. So get to know the team. Don't feel like one offer is you know, going to do it for you. Try and find as many opportunities as you can to, to learn about the process, learn about the team, share what you know about your brand. And you know they're obviously talking to you because you've done a great job. Celebrate that. Tell everybody you know, what it is that you would have a vision for what it is that you would do with the brand because they would love to hear that. And if they don't love to hear that, you don't have the right partner. Yeah, for sure. It's part of our process at Website Closers. We, we love when companies are strong enough to just generate a lot of, a lot of interest, a lot of comfort conversations, and you know, potentially a lot of letters of interest because we feel that that gives our sellers the most information around the exit process. And you know, more information a seller has, the more the more discussions they have, the more conversations they have, and and more offers they look at. Ultimately, the better positioned they are to make the best decision for their for their business. Absolutely, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, part of it is because we're trying to buy the right brands. When we talk to brands, you know, I try and make sure that every conversation we leave, hopefully they've learned something in the process that helps them, whether we're the end destination or not, you know, we've learned. So I think, you know, we want to, we want to have more conversations. If it's not the right fit, that's fine. But we want everybody to leave conversations with foundry brands, knowing that they're, they're more educated they're in a better position than they were before and they can make a smarter decision for their business. Whether that's with us or whether that's with somebody else, that's what we really want to live up to as a company because it is such an important process. And, you know, these founders have, have poured their their blood, sweat, and tears into building these businesses and it's and it's a lot of time and it's a lot of investment. And so, you know, making sure that you have the ability to to do it at to exit in the smartest way possible, you know, is, is an incredibly big obligation. And, you know, we're, we're happy to help in that process to make sure that, you know, they learn and they know the true value of their business. 
Well, Kyle, thanks so much for coming to speak with me today. I know our listeners are going to be really interested with uh, in what you have to say. Thanks for your time. Uh, really have enjoyed working with you and the Foundry and look forward to uh, continuing to, to work with you and, um, and uh, stay in touch, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And for all your listeners, you know, foundrybrands.com uh, to reach out to, to any of us and, you know, look forward to, to continuing to build an even stronger relationship with, with website closers over the years. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. All right. Take care.